LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. It's good to be with you all. You know, last night we had a, another fantastic get-together on Macro and Chill. We discussed this past uh, Saturday's podcast on Macro and Cheese, and it became very apparent that, you know, people are living in a world where their brains are set to uh, conserve energy, period, conserve energy at all costs. And they want to be entertained. They want to uh, be chilled. They're, they're traumatized from the world around them, from the way life is. And life is not fair and it's not good for many, many people. And the people that it is good, they don't want to look at the people that are struggling because that is mental energy they don't have to spend. This isn't like some sort of a feel-good story. This is kind of the science behind it all. And uh, realizing that the vast majority of people i think if you can imagine let their guard down during the bernie sanders moment bernie sanders represented an opportunity for most of us to uh believe have a chance to believe um and the trauma of realizing that not only did you get hoodwinked not only was he not going to take it to the finish line to, to win the nomination? Not only was he not going to do the things that many of us had donated and, uh, you know, fought for quite frankly, but the cruel, cruel part of that is that we believed, right? We believed in our heart of hearts that these things were possible. We believed in our heart of hearts that these things were going to come to pass. And then when it didn't happen, not once, but twice, it left scars on people. And, you know, just understanding the way the human mind works and the psyche works in terms of, you know, am I able to change this? Yes or no. If I'm not able to change it, then I'm going to ignore it. Kind of like that whole live and let live thing. You know, a lot of the feel good psychology that's out there um, teaches people basically to kind of walk away from problems they don't feel like they can. And so most of the stuff that we're talking about typically, at RP and within the MMT space and so forth has people saying it's too good to believe it's, it's almost impossible to believe that we could have nice things that we could do these things because we've been burned. I mean, I didn't get on the Obama train. That was never part of my story. So I don't have to worry about, you know, Obama letting me down. I never supported him. But for those of you who did, many people really genuinely believed before Bernie, they believed in Obama. And Obama was the first time that they thought of hope and change, you know, his, his taglines. And it took a lot of people a long time to realize that Obama was a neoliberal, that he was a gatekeeper for the moneyed class, that he was not one of the people. Um, many people heard the word, hey, we're fighting for health care, and they got staunchly behind Obamacare, not realizing that it was nothing more than a giveaway to insurance companies and it was a Romney care and that it wasn't really universal healthcare, that it wasn't really something that was helpful to the working class. Each step through this process, the unfortunate truth is 
that we put our hope into something and then we're let down. We put our hope into something again, we're let down. Put our hope into marriage, we get divorced. We put our hope into going to school, we get a huge student debt bill and there's no jobs available. We put our hope into uh, careers and then there's no ladder that takes us up to the top. There's no opportunities based on the things we've been led to believe, the thoughts, the ideas that we have in our heads that make us believe that we can do different things. We find out that it's all one big giant lie and only very few people actually get through to where they say they want to get to. And I think that that struggle boss, that, that real, that real disappointment makes for a very skeptical, cynical public makes for a very skeptical, cynical uh, group of activists. So how do you make people who have been burned, who have stopped believing, who want to believe the easy stuff because easy is rewarding and easy doesn't require a lot of burned calories for thinking through problems. How do you get people that want the easy street to get to believe that they can in fact have these great, nice things and life could in fact be better. And what I'm come to find is that we're not just dealing with propaganda, propaganda. You know, we always talk about propaganda, but what really comes down to is the psyche the way the brain is wired, the way it's wired for applause, the way it's wired for reward, the way it's wired for hope, the way it's wired for conserving energy so that it doesn't waste time on things that it can't do anything about. And so much of what we talk about here probably lands on deaf ears. It doesn't impact people because they don't believe that better is possible. And I've come to find that that challenge is the challenge of our lifetime because until we get people to cross over and break free from their own, you know, psychological wiring, the, the, the way the brain operates until we give them something that helps them see that, yes, in fact, it is possible. It's not possible. Right. And I think that is a problem. So I'm not sure how to pivot in terms of the way I've see. I've always just thought everybody was there because I'm there. I'm ready to go. Why aren't you right? Why, what is it about this that makes it so that you are not ready to go to the freaking, you know, Bastille and just flip tables and, and make shit happen? Why, why is it that most just say, yeah, that sounds great. And then as soon as they're done, they click on Netflix and they go back to that applause center in their brain that says, everything's okay. Just ignore it and keep going forward. Folks, this is the million dollar question. And, uh, my guest this weekend, uh, Stephanie, um, you know, she, uh, she wrote this great book called The uh, Altruistic Urge. Um, let me see here. Altruistic Urge. Stephanie Preston, this Altruistic Urge. Listen to this Saturday's podcast. It's really, really good. It's pretty easy, but it does explain the wiring of the brain. And I think that that was key. I think it was key for me to understand that it's not just the message. Yeah, the message is part of it. Yes, you want to tap into people's regions of the brain that give them applause and give them hope and make them believe. Um, but what happens when the thoughts and ideas and the concerns and the effort that it takes seed the brain's willingness to expend energy? What happens when the effort required exceeds people's ability to overcome their own biology, their own anatomy? This is all stuff that we're up against. And 
you know, at first, my first instinct is to just fold the tent and say, fuck it, man, we can't do anything, right? That's what everybody does. That's what most everybody does. Everybody kind of is ready to throw in the towel and just walk away and not do anything else. But I've come to find that ultimately, if you understand that you can indeed have nice things, that the government could be doing these things for you, that the government does create currency out of thin air. And therefore, there's nothing that it can't do that it can buy with its currency. There's literally nothing that it can't do that it can buy with its own currency. See, to me, and I consume this constantly, right? But to me, that realization busted open the gates. It totally made my mind just open wide up. And I stopped thinking about things I couldn't do. I started thinking about why can't we? So my cynicism and my frustration come from the fact that I don't see other people taking that leap and seeing it as well. And it's shocking to me. It's, it's, it's been a perplexing issue for me because why the fuck, if you know your government could do this for you, but won't, why would you just roll back in bed and Netflix and just go back to sleep? I don't understand it. I mean, I do now I do better. I don't agree with it. it drives me insane. No question about it. But at least you understand where the problem lies. It's not just that the material is dense, because let's be fair, the material is not that dense. I mean, you can make it dense. You can go way down deep into the rabbit hole with MMT and stuff like that. But on the most basic level, the government creates the currency. It spends it into existence. It can't pay tax. You can't pay taxes until the government spends money into the economy for you to earn through an employer or whatever. Okay. The government spent the money into the economy first before it collected any taxes. So clearly, just by order of operations, you know that taxes literally do not fund the programs. So if you know that, this should open doors. It should open your mind. It literally should do that. So what do you think it would take for this truth, this basic truth, to make you realize that your neighbor isn't the problem? Your neighbor may... Be be a problem in the sense that they are living with this brain that says we can't do these things, or they may be trading off a marketing uh, material that has made them believe that ultimately all of these buzzwords, Hey, you know, you're taking your hard earned tax dollar. They're doing this. They're wasting your hard earned money. You know, neighbors are thinking that they are thinking that because these purveyors of these lies are really, really good at what they do. They know what they're doing. This is not an accident. I mean, they they have people that get paid huge money to understand marketing, to put these messages out there to control what you do and what you don't do, how you think and how you don't think and what you agree with, what you don't agree with, etc. They can manufacture consent using these tools, these tools that can be used for good or for evil, okay? And struggling through i mean if you think about this right i'm i'm going to go back back to like the 1990s where all i could think about was i'm tired of my tax dollars getting wasted on xyz i'm tired of people that didn't feel like staying up till 3 in the morning working on their college homework getting a freebie on me when i worked hard i mean these resonated with back then and i was a republican of course but it's those kinds of messages that Republicans and conservative Democrats, um, they end up getting pumped full of, you know, and getting rid of those very powerful ideas, these very powerful visions of 
my stuff being taken. I'm, you know, it makes us very selfish and we end up very myopic in what we are willing to consider. The MMT story is what broke me of that. The MMT story is what changed my view of everything. It allowed me to move from the right to the left because I stopped thinking about my hard-earned tax dollars and I thought about, started thinking about our collective well-being. It was a very fundamental shift. That fundamental shift was brought on by a series of events, but the most important of which was understanding the money story and how money gets into the economy, that my tax dollars don't pay for these things. It was a very, very big wake-up call, and it fundamentally changed everything about me. It, it really did. It really fundamentally changed me as a human being. Um, so being that I came from as far right as you can get across that divide, based on some simple understandings of how the economy works. It's hard for me to fathom people that have far less distance to travel, not being able to make that leap, not being able to make that uh, connection. It's very, very hard for me to believe that people don't get it, won't get it, don't try to get it, spend all their time fighting it, looking to debunk it, looking to find a way to make life harder on each other because they just can't fathom that life could be better and good even using public money, reverting from this concept that your hard-earned tax dollars pay for it. But see, it's very tantalizing to think that the money you earn from your work that's taken out of your paycheck is paying for these people. It makes you feel like you are in charge, like you, you are the one that, put the money into it so you should have a say-so where your hard-earned tax dollars go. And when you think about public money, public money is all of our money, right? It's, it's like it's not ours in our personal possession. It's ours at a macro level. It's ours as a nation. And so when you understand that the even the shitty founders came up with an amendment that basically said that Congress's job is to take care of the general welfare of the people, and that goes back to the days where people wore powdered wigs, okay? This is not a new concept that the government is supposed to take care of the general welfare of the people. I mean, those guys were pretty fucking conservative back then, okay? They were very conservative. You think things are conservative today, you ain't seen nothing until you've seen it back then. People didn't have free time. There wasn't, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of fun. It was, you got up early. You worked all day till dawn, till it was dark. And then you went to bed. You had dinner with the family. You prayed and you went to bed. There just wasn't the kind of leisure world that we have today at our fingertips back then. But even then, they understood that Congress's role was the general welfare, to serve the general welfare of the people. I mean, this should be pretty, pretty easy to understand. I am not a founding colonizer supporter. I am not a founding document supporter. I am not a, uh, these colors don't run red, white, and blue flag waving kind of guy. That's just not who I am. So for me, it carries no weight that the quote unquote founding colonizers, uh, you know, made these things, but for all those gun toting flag waving yahoos that believe their hard-earned tax dollars are paying for things and nobody gets nothing for free ain't no such thing as a free lunch and all the other lesser tropes that they throw at you they all have sticking power 
because they all are pointed because they make the point that your tax dollar paid for those things. Your tax dollar pays for social security. So you're entitled. You paid for it. Damn it. It's yours. So you've got this powerful imagery. And this is the painful part of deprogramming the concept. The tax dollar didn't have shit to do with it. That your tax dollar doesn't have shit to do with social security. That FICA dollars are not in any way, shape or form reused. All taxes, all taxes at the federal level do something that most people will never stop to think about. They won't take the time to learn it because it opens up a lot of other doors that they're energy conserving minds don't want to engage in. But what taxes do is they drain reserves. Reserves are this weird thing that most of us never think about. Okay. Because there's two different worlds. There's outside of the banking world. And then there's inside of the banking world. And it's in between banks. It's kind of like if you have a transmission in your car, and it's one of those transmissions that you don't add fluid to. It's self-contained. It's locked. It's sealed. That's kind of what the reserve system is like inside the banking system. It never makes it outside the banking system. Now, inside, it works the way it works. It works differently, right? It, you create reserves as like a like if I spend a dollar here on the outside world, I need a dollar reserve on the inside world to help facilitate transactions. Okay, so a spent dollar into the economy creates a reserve inside the banking system and reserves. There's interests that are paid on these things. The idea here is to keep money moving. That's the whole point of taxes. Taxes make you require to do something to get the money. So this is like the kinetic part of taxation. It's not to fund the program. It's like sparking your ganja. It's like sparking. It's like turning your key on the ignition, the firing taxes are what sparks the fuel to keep running through the system. Taxes are not what pays for anything though. It's a totally separate wheel going at a totally different speed. You could spend big, but you need a certain amount of taxes to keep the economy moving forward. Okay. You just need a certain amount of that obligation to drive you. And so the lower taxes are, the lower interest rates are, the lower whatever, the more freedom you have to do with your life what you want to do. The higher the taxes, the higher the inflation, the higher the interest rates, the more you have to do, the more the hamster wheel has got you moving so that you keep producing and keep doing some. And that is the name of the game. If they need the production to ramp up, they will raise taxes to force people back to doing other jobs. They will force people into these roles. And so taxes are coercive, but they're not for funding. They don't serve a purpose for funding. Okay. That's not what they're there for. With that in mind, one of the most challenging things also, and we, we had this discussion last night, you have guys, and I don't need to name their names. You know who they are. You probably watch their shows and probably think they're telling you the truth. They're out there talking about the fall of the dollar the dollar's going to fall down. Oh my God, the bricks and it's salacious and it's titillating and it's spicy on the tongue. And you can almost see SpongeBob going, Oh my God, they're my spicy words. Okay. These spicy things that attract people. It's like, there's no requirement. They're not asking you to do something. They're just filling your brain full of stuff. This is see, I knew the dollar was going to collapse. 
see, I knew this was going to happen. So it feeds that need to be right. It feeds that need to think you're on to something that, you know, something you've got the inside track on something. It feeds that. And that's that applause mechanism in the Brocus region in the brain. Same thing that happens when somebody takes a hit of cocaine or any other drug. It's the same thing. It sparks the, whatever you want to call it. It sparks that, um, applause center in the brain okay and so what we have to do ultimately and sadly is recognize that for whatever reason people would rather the world collapse around them in defense of the concept that their hard-earned tax dollars are not just purged and deleted and destroyed or whatever because that means holy shit I worked an extra 15 hours this week just to pay my taxes. I could have been with my family. I could have done whatever. And you know what? They're exactly correct. The tax structure, even though it doesn't pay for programs, could be very different. We don't need to tax the little people. We could do away with taxes for people that are making, I don't know, up to 250000 500000 wherever that marker is. You just do away with the taxes altogether on that space. There are ways of taxing the bads and not taxing the goods get rid of income tax why in the world would you tax people's income as opposed to taxing the bad things taxing things that you're trying to modify behavior on right people don't like that because guess what once again it is coercive right you know and nobody likes my authority right that authoritarian thing they don't like it and so the concept that taxes are merely behavior modification or a tuning fork or or your uh, eq on your stereo they don't like the idea that they're not doing anything more than that they don't like the idea that their tax is just serving as a a magnet a spark to keep the economy moving forward they don't like it i, I don't like it either who does but you need to know that that is the way the system works so if you understand that the role of taxes are not to fund programs and you understand that programs could be had and every program that they create needs to hire people to run them. That's jobs immediately. Who gives a flying fuck if the guy down the street that wants to predate upon his neighbors and make a big profit off of their labor, like a tax, right? Like their extra profit is a de facto tax that we don't bitch about because that's a free market. That's capitalism. Of course, they're allowed to do that. But when the government taxes, we bitch about it. But we don't bitch about the person or the company that raises taxes. No, we blame the government for inflation. But in reality, we're paying a tax. We're paying a tax. So one of the most frustrating things is to understand that we could have full employment. The job guarantee is an important piece, and I'm going to touch on this in a second. But people already have it in their head. They're not even thinking about what the job guarantee is. They've already been programmed to believe that if the government creates jobs, it's bullshit jobs, it's useless jobs, it's nonproductive work, it, it's no value to it whatsoever. That's not true. How did they come to believe that government jobs were useless jobs? How did they come to believe that the private sector is supreme to the government? How did they come to believe that the government has to be run by neoliberals? How did they come to believe that the government has to be supportive of capitalism? How did they come to believe all these things? They don't have to be. They're not things that are written in blood. They're not physics. It's a psyop. It's bullshit. It's things that you've been programmed to believe and not question. And it's funny. I have a master of business administration. And uh, 
had to unlearn a lot of things that I learned during that graduate program. And I also have a master of science in technology management. Notice I didn't say I have a master's degree in gender studies. Notice I didn't say I have a master's degree in basket weaving, master's degree, a master of business administration, master of technology and innovation. These are jobs that you would expect. These are degrees that you would expect would be able to get you whatever, right? But they lied on that as well. The economy is not built for people to have these jobs. So why wouldn't the government create those jobs that they sold you the lie about the education that they're going to hold you to your student debt? Why wouldn't the government produce a solution to the problem which it created to begin with by making college a for-profit thing when the government is literally the one paying the bill through the student loans? I mean, these paradigms all come crumbling down when you understand the government as the currency issuer. It's not private banks, okay? The government itself made a decision. It would provide charters to banks to allow them to operate within certain rules. It created the Federal Reserve System. It's part public, part private. I've said it before. It's the ingress and the egress of the government and the private sector. People would rather believe that the Federal Reserve is, and that it's, you know, the government is in debt to the Federal Reserve. They want to believe this. This is what they want to believe because I guess they can't imagine that the government could do anything right. And that's not by accident. That has been programmed into people's brains. And they've witnessed fecklessness of government. They've witnessed programs not be funded correctly. So naturally, a program that's not funded correctly and not staffed correctly and not given the right charter, not given the real resources to operate effectively, of course it's going to fail. And why would they want a government program to be failure? Because they want the private sector to capitalize on it. They want us to say, well, yeah, shit, Social Security is a failure. Let's privatize it and give it, give people uh, Wall Street accounts. It's powerful messaging. It's all failed. Social Security hasn't, you know, kept up with the cost of living. Oh, my God. That's, I definitely see the stock market going up. Why can't we? Well, if you understand that FICA dollars don't actually pay for your fucking Social Security and you understand that the government could choose to pay 20% increases to every single person, 100% increases to every single person, provided the economy was there to support it. And that would mean production, the real goods and services available to them. But it's powerful messaging to make us believe that there's just not enough to go around. And so that deeply held belief that everything is scarce. There's not enough jobs. There's not enough fuel. There's not enough houses. There's not enough, you know, college. There's not enough this. There's not enough that. There's always not enough of something. And it's very, very powerful, right? You know, I, I remember, some of you might be able to remember this. But when I was a kid and we all smoked pot back in the day and it'd be winter time and somebody would say, hey, I got a quarter ounce and everybody would flock over to them. It'd be like quite the free buzz. They'd be skeezing off somebody's drop, you know, nugs and they would be hanging out. And, you know, because after all, my God, it's dry. Where are we going to find weed or whatever else? And so when people would get stuff, they would hoard it. They would hoard it because they were afraid they wouldn't be able to get it again. So 
all of this, all of this is based on this false scarcity narrative, this idea that if we control supply to a point where people are desperate and they don't get enough of it, we don't have enough doctors, the government, tell me a doctor that would not accept payment from the U.S. government in U.S. dollars. I'm not telling you we should pay doctors $10 million, but we're going to be working for a million dollars or I won't do it at all. Okay, whatever. Even if that were the case, and I don't want it to be the case, so I'm not advocating, I'm just making a point. The government could pay every doctor a million dollars to do that without any issue at all. Could literally do that easily. So if you think about that, where would, where would those million-dollar payments to all those doctors come from? Some fuckstick is going to tell you it's their hard-earned tax dollar. It's deeply programmed. It's going to be your hard-earned tax dollar. Ain't nothing coming free. So this is why it's so important that for those of you who have found a way to break through your brain's programming, to resist learning these challenging things, that's why it's your responsibility and mine to help others have an awakening that we can do these things and start asking the hard questions. If that's the case, why aren't you doing them? And when you start realizing that this game is in place in the way that it's in place for a reason, control, okay? It's control and privilege, but it's control. And when you can help break that control and you can start showing people the truth yourself, one-on-one, -on -one, go to your local party meeting, take them out to coffee and sit down and talk to them. Tell your friends, tell your family. You may not convert everybody to this stuff, but in the end, giving them something to chew on may set the ball in motion for whenever that epiphany happens in their life. I feel like we're afraid to do that because we're afraid we don't know enough. But the things people are very, very sure they know, nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10 are just lies they've been fed. Every time a conservative, a conservative Democrat, a corporate Democrat, a Republican tries to talk about how, you know, nothing's free, remind them that Elon Musk got over $10 billion that he never had to pay back to do all these wonderful things that quite frankly, the government could have done, but it didn't want to subsidize public investment it wanted to subsidize a private person to enable wealth and to create more neoliberalism, honestly. Government funded that $10 billion to Elon Musk. What do you think would happen if public servants had an opportunity to take $10 billion and research cancer? Not donating to some charity to help with cancer research, but the government solved cancer, period. Fund it, put the money where the mouth is, put the money where the heart is, and get rid of cancer. What if? But instead, they program you to believe that you've got to donate to some random organization so that you can get cancer research. Think about how fucked up that is. And think about the games your Congress critters play publicly so you believe they're really fighting for this stuff only to fund some private sector institution some private sector corporation that's going to maximize profits to do these things that we need that are part of our need base. Think about that. I think in the end, the powerful imaging, the powerful messaging of taxpayer dollars, my hard-earned tax dollars has got to become the focus. Some people are going to have to say, you know what? I can't be all things to all people. I need to focus on this. I need to use this and I need to find new and improved ways of messaging. But 
this has got to be ground zero because it stands in the way of literally everything. I told you, I'm more revolutionary than this. I don't believe this system's going to give up the stranglehold it has on your brain and on the resources and the way that distributes them. I don't believe it's going to give that up. I believe that moneyed interest, powerful interest, interests that are real wealth far beyond the means of these, you know, the dollars the government spends, people that literally have real power. Okay. I don't believe they're going to give this up. So I believe in the end that what our job is, is let's just assume you believe that we can somehow or another vote our way to a new tomorrow. Let's say we're just childlike like that. We got this like infant mind. Let's just presume we have the infant mind and it, it's, it's really the grown up speak. Okay. We're going to be grown up. So we're going to vote our way to this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, let's just assume that for a minute. If it doesn't work, at least we've laid the groundwork to radicalize the children that believe in that stuff so that they can begin to let their brain that is in self-preservation conservation mode, energy conserving mode to start saying, Hey, I'm ready to take action. I'm ready to do something more than just hand out leaflets for some shitball candidate. Well, you know, you've grown up when you realize what a time waste that is. When you step above that and realize how controlled the system is, but you need to wake people up. And like I said, in the hypothetical that you could possibly vote your way to these things, making people aware to put pressure on government to do those things is the first step in that process, regardless of where it takes you. I'll be on the other side, though, once you, we've radicalized everyone, telling you, okay, now that you know that they won't do it, even though you know the truth, now we got to do something more. Now we've got to be unforgettable. Now we've got to do direct action. Now we've got to lock arms and have an Occupy Wall Street that actually has demands, that isn't into the drum circles, but is into actual militancy and making change happen by any means necessary. Okay. I know you desperately want to vote for somebody and hope that you can pass the buck to some random political person and that'll make it all better. I know you want that. You want it. You want it. You want it. You know, you want it all, but you can't have it. They're not going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not here to burst your bubble. I'm here to wake you up. Okay. And if bursting the bubble wakes you up, good. The evidence is there for those who have eyes to see. But for those who require a real-life action thriller, when you show them the money story and you show them that taxes literally do not fund these programs and you show them that it's why we don't have a Green New Deal and you show them it's why we don't have any public housing, real meaningful housing as a right, real meaningful, you know, just free education, you name it. When you realize the why behind that, and you start realizing how tall the order is to wake people up, it's going to make a big difference in your life as to where you put your energy, I believe. Because I, I just can't imagine walking down the street with a bunch of people who think they're hard-earned tax dollars and doing something and, and fighting, locking arms with them, fighting tooth and nail to get Bernie to, to pass a bill to raise taxes, to pay for Medicare for all with Medicare for all. It's deflationary meaning it would need a tax cut, not increase taxes, tax, but you'll lock arms with people that are raised taxes to pay for these things, screwing not only the economy, but screwing each and every one of us. When you make taxation of the rich 
a funding mechanism, even though it's not. But when you mentally think it is, to fund all the programs you think you want by taxing the rich, that means you need the rich to stay rich so we can pay for those programs. You see what a trap you got yourself into there? See what a fool's errand that lie is? Doesn't take much to see. It's not to say we don't want to tax away wealth, but wouldn't it be better rather than taxing away wealth to prevent wealth accumulation to begin with? You know, the government could regulate these things. It could choose to make things public and take away the profit motive. It could do those things. It doesn't. You have to ask yourself why not and why you keep supporting a system and candidates that push that kind of narrative. You have to ask yourself, what about you? makes you want that narrative to stay in in service to stay the going normative narrative what is it that makes you want a world where the rich pay for your programs the rich exploit us and then somehow or another you take it all back and they pay what, what makes you want that world to be the way it is why do you hold on with the death grip gotta think it through gotta think it through anyway I'm Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar. And for those of you out there who have donated, I really appreciate it. Let me go through here. I see Double K gave us $19.99. Thank you so much for the uh, donation there. And I appreciate everybody that showed up. Folks, uh, this Saturday, um, we have uh, Joe Burns, who is a lead labor lawyer uh, for American Airlines. And you know what? Let me do something real quick before I hang up here. Right uh vote yes so guess what one hour ago hey i'm gonna share this real quick i was getting ready to get off but i can't do it i gotta go ahead and show you this so let me share screen this is kind of big news here right here baby let's get rid of this pop-up american airline flight attendants vote yes on strike authorization why don't we go ahead and tweet that out real quick folks if you're not on twitter and or x or whatever the hell they call it nowadays i get it but, you know, it'd be great to get some of you guys out here supporting supporting us. I've got this post right here that has been used by a lot of people uh, to get the word out about MMT. I've got a whole breakdown out here. Anyway, uh, this is super exciting, super duper exciting. So anyway, long story short, it looks like Joe Burns, who we just had, uh, and he'll be released Saturday morning at 8 a.m. talking about this very thing. So, ah, good job, uh, American Airlines. Things are changing. Anyway, I am Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 